Welcome to Cybersecurity Executive Order Insights, sponsored by Akamai and Karasoft, here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Now here's your host, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Tom Ruff, Vice President for the Public Sector at Akamai Solutions. Tom, good to have you on. Thank you, Tom. Let's start with the basics. Cloud security, that's the business you're in, and it's something that I think every federal agency is confronting, and the executive order on cybersecurity from the Trump administration emphasizes shared cloud services for cybersecurity. What does this all mean from your point of view? Well, if you take a look at uh, cloud security or shared infrastructure, it's the cybersecurity requirements are no different than an origin infrastructure sitting behind an agency's firewall. It's all about the best practices and therefore ensuring defense in depth. And what I mean by that is, is that whether it's a cloud or whether it's an origin infrastructure, you have firewalls, IDS, IPS technologies, and they're important. But consideration to the network and the application security is absolutely critical. And security starts at the edge when the end user is getting on board to a cloud solution or trying to access uh, their origin infrastructure. So you need to start at the edge and really ensure that solutions, whether origin or cloud security, has the resiliency, the scalability, and also the availability to be able to support volumetric attacks, which we're seeing uh, pretty regularly uh, today in, in the marketplace. So cybersecurity really starts at the edge, and it's about uh, the network as well as the application. But you need to be able to ensure a few things. One is resiliency and scalability. We're seeing sizable attacks these days, and the average infrastructure, whether cloud or origin, cannot handle the volumetric attacks that we're seeing. We also need to make sure that that agencies have visibility, whether it's the cloud or the origin infrastructure, to understand what attacks are happening, and how to mitigate them. And you do that through an agile architecture that allows you to be able to address and mitigate on-the-fly attacks. And you do that through machine intelligence, artificial intelligence, that allows you to be able to move at uh, the line speed as opposed to the human speed to be able to address these attacks and mitigate as needed depending on the threat vector. And you mentioned volumetric, which is, I guess, a lot of data being thrown at a given network through a port that can't handle it. Can agencies prepare responses such that they turn back the volumetric attack before it eliminates their ability to do so? So legally, you can't turn back the attack traffic just yet. But what you can do is is drop the attack traffic at the edge. So basically, the average infrastructure coming into a data center is a 10-gig pipe. You know, there are very few that have larger than 10-gig pipes. But we're seeing volumetric attacks that are 50 times, uh, 100 times the the throughput that an average data center can ingest. So basically, what you want to do is is fight Uh, a denial of service attack at the edge. Uh, They're typically distributed, and what you want to do is uh, approach that with a distributed solution that allows you to mitigate at the edge as opposed to long-haul that attack traffic back into a data center, which is not a real-wise thing to do. So is the difference now that there are new attack vectors, new types of attack, or is it simply the intensity of the given ones that we understand that are coming through? Uh, New attack vectors uh, in the last... Six months, we've seen three different type of attacks 
that have been radically different than what we've seen in the past. So we've now seen IoT, devices that, that have IP addresses that we have in our car, in our home, in our offices, become weaponized to be able to join massive volumetric attacks that are throwing, you know, one terabyte attacks at critical infrastructures such as DNS. Uh, and an example of that would have been the Dyn uh, DNS infrastructure attack that brought down, you know, critical web infrastructure as well as uh, cloud service providers. We also have seen uh, attacks um, on VPNs just in the last week or two where VPNs, what used to be a trusted way to have remote access into cloud services or into origin infrastructures have now been hacked and therefore VPNs are just as vulnerable as other technologies. So we're seeing VPNs, we're seeing uh, DNS attacks as well as uh, bot attacks or through IoT, which is radically different than anything we've seen in the past. All right, so that's a good uh, note on which to back up to the cybersecurity executive order itself. Where do you feel that it got things right, and where could it have been maybe a little bit more beefy? Well, with regards to the executive order, I'm quite honestly encouraged uh, for a couple of reasons. One is uh, the executive order appears to be funded from three different sources. Uh, it, it's a funded when, in fact, the executive uh, or the president's uh, budget gets approved. Uh, that has a 35% increase in, in cybersecurity. The CDM program, which is uh, pretty instrumental to all agencies, appears to have a threefold increase from about $100 million to $300 million. And the CDM is all about protecting the endpoint and now the perimeter. So that's a great funding source. And then the last thing is the Modernization Government Technology Act, uh, which is uh, supposedly coming with $228 million, which is going to f- uh, provide agencies with a uh, way of increasing or, excuse me, enhancing um, uh, legacy-based technologies that were designed, developed, and deployed 10, 15, 20 years ago when cyber attacks weren't as present as they are today. All right, so that's the on the good side. Are there areas you feel that maybe could have gone further? It's a wait and see because there are some other things within the executive order that are pretty paramount to its success, and that is, you know, training the workforce, which is critical. And, and Studies show that it's not only the federal government, but but the industry, all verticals in general, are way behind in terms of hiring a competent uh, cyber force, and and so that's a major issue. You know, there are technology safeguards that are involved uh, that take advantage of authentication and password protection and and data at risk, as well as compliance with some frameworks around NIST and, and FISMA. I believe all those are working in favor of making sure the executive order. Uh, is successful. Now, what are the shortfalls? You know, the shortfall is how fast can the government move on these different initiatives that have been called out into the executive order? And even this past week, Tom uh, Bursert from DHS uh, came out with another amendment to the executive order that will talk about how do we make networks more resilient, just as important. How do we take resources from the federal government to help other industries such as finance and banking and hospitals? And then on top of that, it looks like there are going to be some more incentives or guidelines around making sure agencies are doing the proper hygiene. And if they don't, potentially consequences. All right, we're going to take a short break on that note. My guest today is Tom Ruff, Vice President for the Public Sector at Akamai Solutions. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, and this discussion is Cybersecurity Executive Order Insights, sponsored by Akamai and Carisoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. 
government has faced more cyber attacks in 2017 than ever before. With every agency at risk for malware, phishing, and the weaponizing of IoT, IT departments should be doubling down on cyber mitigation. But are they? With more than 15 years of serving government, Akamai is a leader in mitigating malware, phishing, bot, and DDoS attacks. Akamai is trusted by all branches of the military and 14 cabinet-level agencies. To mitigate your next cyber attack, visit akamai.com security. That's A-K-A-M-A-I dot security. Welcome back to our discussion, Cybersecurity Executive Order Insights, sponsored by Akamai and Karasoft here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My guest today is Tom Ruff, Vice President for the Public Sector at Akamai Solutions, and I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. Tom Ruff, let's go into the idea of modernizing, because I think modernizing cybersecurity are really intertwined now for the federal government. I think they're both mentioned both in the MGTA Act, the Modernizing Government IT Act that you mentioned earlier, and also in that cybersecurity executive order. Sure. So the Modernization Government Technology Act, or MGTA, uh, is an interesting uh, way for agencies to have a creative funding source to be able to move legacy-based technologies towards more common and current technologies. You know, as stated earlier, technologies that were designed, developed 10, 15 years ago really did not have security in mind. It was an afterthought uh, after building the application and delivering that. So the, the environment has changed, and therefore, if you take a look at agencies that are strapped not only on resources and, and talent, but also on funding, there needs to be a, a creative way to be able to get those legacy systems moved over to more current technology. So it's, a, it's an incremental funding stream that, that OMB is providing to allow critical infrastructure that are legacy-based to move to modern technologies. And with that, security will be top of mind as opposed to an afterthought. So it fills a huge gap that we currently have between legacy-based technologies that can't really bolt on security and current technologies that, that security is at the forethought of uh, delivery and implementation. Because once you have a modernized infrastructure, then you've got modern software packages running it like .NET or Java, these kinds of things, and those need regular patching too. It's, it's not as if once you modernize, you can set and forget with respect to cyber. Yeah, that's correct. So most of the newer technologies allow you to do automated updates, security patches to be able to address vulnerabilities that are discovered by industry or by by the government. So it's a more nimble, it's a more agile platform that allows you to really be able to address things on the fly as opposed to waiting for a major patch release three months later that might fly in the face of operations. And the cloud-first policy came out close to 10 years ago, and that was way in advance of the security mechanisms, particularly FedRAMP, uh, were even established. So has FedRAMP and the security, I guess, culture and architectures around commercial clouds especially caught up with the policy to have cloud as the first consideration for new agency developments? Yes. Uh, actually, if you take a look at OMB and some of their mandates, they are asking or requesting agencies to take a look at cloud first be before building out another origin infrastructure. Cloud 10 years ago when it was uh, introduced was, you know, again, an unfunded mandate. It was a toe in the water and, and pretty much cloud was new to everybody. So there was a lot of reservations in terms of those who love to hug their servers, those that said, what's in it for me? And then on top of that, those that, that had real reservations about security. So in the last 10 years, there's been 
a evolution of change and adoption of cloud. So we're starting to see more and more public clouds as agencies do a risk assessment against what applications they can expo- uh, expose to the public cloud and which ones should not, i.e. more sensitive uh, data should probably stay on the in the origin infrastructure. That will change in time. Part of the reason why is agencies are finding out that in many cases, cloud uh, uh, public cloud instances are just as secure as their origin infrastructure when they implement them right, and that is using uh, FedRAMP-based cloud service providers and then front-ending those solutions with uh, a more distributed security approach such as Akamai that allows you to be able to address security at the edge as opposed to in your data center. And connected with security is resiliency, so people can mitigate the botnets and all of these other volumetric, highly distributed Internet of Things harness types of threats that they are throwing at federal agencies. So what are some of those challenges with respect to that resiliency that agencies need? Well, in order to be resilient, an agency really needs to be able to provide scalability uh, and availability. And what I mean about scalability, uh, the sizes of the attacks, as, as discussed earlier, are off the charts compared to what a normal data center or even a, a pretty sophisticated data center could handle. 10 gig pipe versus a 500 gig attack, uh, we know the end result, uh, and it's going to be outages, whether it's network or server infrastructure. So what we're seeing is is agencies lean more towards managed secured services as well as security as a service, basically a cloud protecting a cloud that's going to provide the intelligence, machine learning, and intelligence to be able to react and be agile on the fly to mitigate risk in the data center. And and that's a growing trend that we're seeing. Yes, because I guess Akamai in particular does have a distributed set of servers throughout the world, quite a number of them that can be the outer perimeter, I guess, antenna or watch-out eyes for these kinds of distributed high-volume networks that it can stop them before they get right inside the firewall or right at the firewall. That, that's correct, Tom. So basically what we're using is artificial intelligence as well as machine learning to be able to understand the traffic that's coming or trying to come to a data center or a cloud service provider and being able to set policies that are agile enough to be able to either accept or deny traffic based upon its signature. The signature could be an automated signature, i.e. a bot, a volumetric attack, and being able to understand whether it's a machine or it's a human that's actually sending the traffic to the data center in order to make intelligent decisions at the edge and being able to uh, mitigate your risk inside the data center. So using a, a distributed solution to fight distributed attacks is, is best practices in almost any industry, financial or within uh, a banking industry or within media entertainment or, or any key vertical. Do you find that government is up on this, that they're aware of this as much as some of the other sectors you mentioned, like, like financial? Uh, yes. Uh, there are many agencies out there that, that see security as a priority and have been funded for security. So, you know, if if the application is going out on the web and it's deemed mission critical, you know, we have customers that come to us and say, you know, you need to protect our mission. You need to give us uh, the scalability and availability to be able to absorb these attacks and let us continue on with our mission. So there are a lot of agencies that are taking advantage of managed uh, security services as well as security as a service. Uh, and we're seeing that more and more today, given the threats that they're seeing. 
My guest today is Tom Ruff, Vice President for the Public Sector at Akamai Solutions. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, on this discussion, Cybersecurity Executive Order Insights, sponsored by Akamai and Karasoft, here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com, back after this break. Government has faced more cyber attacks in 2017 than ever before. With every agency at risk for malware, phishing, and the weaponizing of IoT, IT departments should be doubling down on cyber mitigation. But are they? With more than 15 years of serving government, Akamai is a leader in mitigating malware, phishing, bot, and DDoS attacks. Akamai is trusted by all branches of the military and 14 cabinet-level agencies. To mitigate your next cyber attack, visit akamai.com security. That's A-K-A-M-A-I dot security. Welcome back to the discussion, Cybersecurity Executive Order Insights, sponsored by Akamai and Karasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My guest today is Tom Ruff, Vice President of Public Sector at Akamai Solutions. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And Tom, let's talk about cloud security a little bit more and how, especially in the era of shared services or the desire for shared services, cloud-based security can really help a lot of agencies mainly small, but not necessarily only small, out of this conundrum that they're facing. Sure. So if you take a look at some of the smaller agencies, unfortunately, they are at a financial disadvantage as well as a workforce disadvantage. They don't necessarily have the skill sets. And I'll tell you right now that even the larger agencies don't necessarily have the skill sets because the environment is evolving so fast and the different type of threats that it's almost impossible for any enterprise, regardless how big they are, to be able to get up to speed and be able to mitigate risk. So if you take a look at the smaller agencies, the ability to be able to move to a shared services, you know, you're going to drive some efficiency, you're going to drive some cost savings. But what you're going to find or what they should find is a more skilled uh, set of employees around cybersecurity and, and around nimble development and deploying things faster. So the advantages for the small agencies, they won't be behind. They'll be able to leverage key uh, core uh, skill sets that shared services go- is going to provide, as well as drive efficiencies in terms of delivering common services that go across all agencies. And therefore, the agencies can really focus on their mission as opposed to always focusing on IT or security. Now, there are clouds that are infrastructure and service providers, and then there are clouds that are specifically focused on cybersecurity services. If you are hosting in a cloud, say your virtual machines for whatever expansion you need, can you craft an SLA to make sure that you get and take advantage of the cyber skill that might be in that cloud if that is not necessarily its specific offering? Sure. So if you take a a CSP, a cloud service provider, and you bolt on or front end that with a a cloud security provider, you, you get... Uh, a lot of advantages that you wouldn't typically get if you were not using such a service. And again, we talked earlier about scale, availability, and also SLA. So, you know, in in many cases, uh, Akamai provides 100% availability uh, in the environment where we're sitting in front of a a cloud service provider. You won't get that in in any other marketplace. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's a natural add-on uh, you know, cloud uh, security providers are real good at providing ping, power, and pipe. But what you want to do is be able to uh, address security threats as far away from that data center as possible and therefore leverage technologies that are out there that can do it in real time as opposed to waiting to see how good your firewall, your IDS, and IPS technologies are. And I guess that kind of thinking should figure into agencies 
risk management and their risk assessments, which are also called for under that executive order, which places responsibility at the agency head level. And so what should they expect, you know, once they've got their reports in? So, you know, I don't believe OMB's provided feedback just yet, but I would anticipate that OMB is going to come back and ask them to drill down on a couple of areas that that OMB finds uh, vulnerabilities within the agency. So the risk assessment is going to start by, you know, hygiene. So let's take a look at what just happened with Equifax. It was a hygiene issue that that impacted 150 million people. It was not strong passwords. There wasn't any encryption. Those are the basics. And I think OMB is going to focus on that first. And then what they're going to do is ask the agencies to do a risk assessment in terms of their applications. And basically that means if if data was exposed, what kind of impact would that have for the agency? And depending on the impact to the agency or the government or the citizen will determine how much uh, emphasis OMB is going to hold that agency had a responsible to make sure that they get it mitigated ASAP. And as you say, we haven't seen the results of those aggregated reports yet or the reports, but I imagine OMB can expect to see some patterns emerge looking across the government at all of the risk assessments. Yeah, I believe you're you're right there, Tom. You're going to see uh, risk assessment being a, a key item, as well as we talked a little bit about hygiene and making sure that we've done some kind of audit or continuous audit to make sure that agencies are following the disciplines that are set up within the executive order. So whether it's you know hiring a hacker like DOD did with uh, Hack the Pentagon, or whether it's bringing in an independent auditor. Companies like Akamai get audited uh, every quarter based upon our FedRAMP compliance. And I think you'll see the same disciplines come down to the agency to hold them accountable for uh, just basic hygiene. Now, Akamai has about 250,000 plus or minus servers throughout the world. And so probably no company has at least an equal view of what's going on in the Internet, uh, especially with respect to inbound risk. What do you think are the greatest cyber threats to federal agencies? The number one threat. With, with exception to the workforce and, and basically being under understaffed there, as well as hygiene, the, the real threats that we're seeing, uh, number one is phishing. And that is, is a very costly and, and uh, complex uh, threat that's coming in that's actually extracting data, critical data from the government agencies. So Phishing is the number one ex- exploit. We see 80% of all attacks right now across all of the verticals that we see are either local file or SQL injections, and it's all dealing with phishing. The next attack we're seeing is volumetric bot attacks. And as I mentioned, uh, Dime was just attacked, one of the most uh, established DNS solutions out there, and it was ab- absolutely brought down by a volumetric uh, bot attack that's basically weaponizing IoT devices that are in your home to be able to to bring an inordinate amount of traffic against uh, infrastructure to bring it down. And then uh, as of late, the most current vector we're seeing is VPNs, where VPNs have been the trusted source for access for remote clouds or origin infrastructure for employees or citizens. They're now being compromised by attacks where they are allowing people to get the keys to be able to access networks. And when you access networks, you can go lateral and cause uh, huge damage to an enterprise or government agency in terms of what they're able to extract from from the agency off the network. So a lot of knowledge, but also a lot of homework. That That's absolutely true. And when you say knowledge... You know, it's key that we're we're moving at machine speed, not at human speed, because that's the only way we're going to be able to defend effectively against the new threats. 
All right. Let me thank today's guest, Tom Ruff, Vice President of Public Sector at Akamai Solutions. Good having you on. Thank you. I'm Tom Temin, Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com. Use the search term Akamai. Thank you for listening to Cybersecurity Executive Order Insights, sponsored by Akamai and Kerasoft, here on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.